Hi, this is Dr. Gwen. Today is Friday, February 22nd. I'm repeating a podcast, and so I'm taping over it because I had used a poor quality mic. So I'm going to go over um, some of what I talked about before, in addition to a different study. And the first one is is the report of the increase in strokes among women who have... um, enlarged girth, uh, abdominal girth, and or obesity. And this is, uh, it's, it's called obesity linked to stroke increase among middle-aged women. Middle-aged women's waists aren't the only thing that increased in the last decade, so did their chance of stroke. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is it's so important that we get out that women are at risk of strokes as well as heart attacks, um, this being um, Heart Awareness Month for, for women. And, you know, so much of the marketing has been geared to over, over years has been geared towards the male and awareness. And we're finally getting people to identify women's heart disease, but strokes is a whole nother problem. Another problem is that, as shown in this study, these strokes occurred between the ages of 35 to 54. And there really is an ageism that occurs um, in emergency rooms when women go in in these ages. And often, you know, there's literature to support that often they're misdiagnosed. So that's why I felt it very important to talk about this. In addition, I have a brother who had a, my twin, in fact, who had a stroke when we were 42, and he was misdiagnosed because of his age. Anyway, so in, in a new study reported at the American Stroke Association's International Stroke Conference, uh, rising obesity rates have been linked to more strokes among women ages 35 to 54, mid, middle-aged women. A previous analysis of stroke prevalence rates in the U.S. from 1999 to 2004 revealed that women in their midlife years were more than twice as likely as men of similar age to report having had a stroke. And this is the PI, or the principal investigator, is uh, Dr. Taufigi, who is an assistant professor in the neurology department at the University of Southern California in L.A. And to determine if this was a new phenomenon, to explore the potential contributions of vascular risk factors to stroke prevalence rates, researchers analyzed data from a study that was called the National Health and Nutrition Survey, which there was... That one, there was one run in 1988 through 1994, and then it was repeated again from 1999 to 2004. So they compared those two um, lengthy studies, longitudinal studies. Researchers found that while 1.8% of women ages 35 to 54 who participated in this study reported having stroke, only 0.6% of women the same ages who participated in the earlier survey reported stroke. So that's, you know, from 0.6 to 1.8, that's, you know, a 30% increase. The analysis compared medical history variables that included smoking, diabetes, heart attack, high blood pressure, medication usage, and clinical markers among women um, in, in the 1999 to 2004 study. Clinical markers evaluated include waist circumference, body mass index, total cholesterol, low density lipoprotein, uh, uh, cholesterol, which is the, uh, the bad cholesterol, and also blood pressure. They did not find significant differences in presence of conventional cardiovascular risk factors such as blood pressure, total cholesterol, LDL smoking, heart disease, high blood pressure, or diabetes when they compared the two groups. Instead, women in the more recent survey, that was from 1999 to 2004, were more likely to be using medications to control blood pressure and cholesterol. 
In fact, 15% of women in the, the later study, the 1999 to 2004, reported using medications to lower blood pressure compared to 9% in the earlier um, survey. That's, that's almost a 40% um, change. Nearly 4% of women in the 99 to 2004 study used medications to lower cholesterol compared to 1.4% in the earlier um, study, which was held from 19... Uh, excuse me, 1988 to 1994. So during that time lag, there was quite, quite a bit occurred in the literature in, in regards to heart disease. We fortunately got women to take medication for high blood pressure. We got them on anti-cholesterol drugs, but they continue to gain weight. So you cannot just take a medication and hope that you don't have heart disease or stroke. You also have to do other behavioral changes, such as losing weight and changing lifestyle. Women in the 99th or 2004 were significantly more obese than women a decade earlier, with an average BMI of 28.7 versus 27 the decade before. So that's quite, a, quite an increase. And just to remind you, a BMI of 25, up to 25 is, you know, you want to be in around 20, I think it's 22 to 25, but 25 to 30 is considered overweight, while a BMI of 30.1 or more is considered obese. In addition, women in the 99 through 2004 study had an average waist circumference of nearly four centimeters, and think of a centimeter as one finger width, more than women in the earlier study. Women in the 99-2004 study also had a higher average glycated hemoglobin, which is an indicator of poor uh, blood, blood sugar control, which would be, uh, you know, neck and neck with um, obesity. My guess is that a lot of these women would, would probably be classified as type 2 diabetic, but I, I don't know that as a fact. The researchers concluded that although key traditional risk factors such as high blood pressure may not be higher today than in the 90s, obesity and blood sugar markers are on the, are on the rise. Abdominal obesity is a known predictor of stroke in women and may be a key factor in the midlife stroke surge in women. And uh, the, the PI, the investigator, said that this study highlights the need to intensify efforts in curbing the obesity epidemic in the U.S. The second report is um, kind of interesting, uh, and I think it will help explain um, why women take more antidepressants than men. And this is a study that we're looking at the sex differences in the brain serotonin system. Um, a new thesis from the Swedish Medical University Karolinska Institute shows that the brain's serotonin system differs between men and women. Well, like that's a surprise. The scientists who conducted the study think that they have found one of the reasons why depression and chronic anxiety are more common in women than in men. Serotonin is a brain transmitter that is critical to the development and treatment of depression and chronic anxiety. Conditions that, for reasons still unknown, are much more common in women than in men. The research group at the Karolinska Institute has shown using a PET scanner that women and men differ in terms of the number of binding sites for serotonin in certain parts of the brain. The results are part of a, a doctoral thesis um, show that women have a greater number of the most common serotonin receptors in men. They also show that women have lower levels of the protein that transport serotonin back into the nerve cells that secrete it. It is this protein that the most common anti antidepressants, or the SSRIs, which is like uh, Prozac or Zoloft, block. That's what it works on. 
We don't exactly know what this means, but the results can help us understand why the occurrence of depression differs between the sexes and why men and women sometimes respond differently to treatment with antidepressant drugs. Um, said the, the PI, who, uh, investigator whose name is Anna Lena Nordstrom, and she led the study. The group has also, show, has also shown that the serotonin system in healthy women differs from that in women with serious premenstrual syndrome. Um, these results, who have primarily the, uh, uh, what they call mental symptoms, what I would probably call dysphoric disorder. These results suggest that the serotonin system in such women does not respond as flexibly to the hormone swings of the menstrual cycles that in symptom-free women, which could explain why Prozac works for so well with women with premenstrual dysphoric disorder, something that I did have, and, and it was phenomenal how um, that helped me. These findings indicate that when developing antidepressants and anti-anxiety drugs, scientists should evaluate the effect on men and women separately as well as their effects before and after menopause. Um, pretty interesting, huh? It, I, I think we have to look at that if women have higher incidence of depression, why? What, what is it? And why and the treatments needs to be adjusted according to the sex differences. Anyway, that's all I have for today. Um, I have a great weekend and stay healthy. Take good care of yourself. And, you know, send me an email if you'd like me to talk about anything or let me know your thoughts about the podcast. And I wish you well. And this is Dr. Wen. Bye now.